Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the podcast. Um, I have been MIA for a little while, um, and I'm going to talk more about that in next week's episode. Um, I unfortunately had to endure the loss of a pet, which was a lot um, of, you know, grief and sadness and stuff. So I'm I'm going to go into that next week because I have a guest that's going to chat with me about the same situation that she's also going through. So today I have a friend of mine named Leanne. She is a theater pal of mine. We just did a show together over the summer called Company. You may have um, listened in on my last episode with my friend Sharon, who was also in the show with us. But um, Leanne has a really interesting job, so I've been wanting to chat with her about this. So hello, Leanne. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bethany. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, So if you could just explain, I guess, a little bit about what you do and like what you're, you know, what you're all about. Sure. Okay. Um, So I am a teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing. Um, and I work in Manhattan, so I'm a related service provider for students who have uh, some type of hearing loss or use assistive technology. Um, and it's crazy. It's my favorite thing. Um, so I work in Harlem specifically, um, and I have a lot of kids who have um, who are hard of hearing and have additional disabilities. Um, so it's just, it's a carnival and it's a wow. lot of fun <laughs> every day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How many students do you work with? Um, I have 12 right now on my caseload, but it kind of changes throughout the year. Um, there's a lot of kids that move in and out and move placements throughout the year. Um, so right now I have 12 kids. Yep. And you don't work with all of them at once. You work one at a time, correct? Yep. Yeah. So I see, um, I see them all individually, um, between one time a week and five times a week. So it's like, um, you know, a regular teacher has class periods and, you know, different, uh, however many classes you teach per day. I have however many sessions I teach per day. Right. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So what made you realize that you wanted to work with the deaf community? Oh, this is a story. Sit back. Strap in. <laughs> so I, um, I'm the oldest of two sisters and my younger sister, um, she's two years younger than me, and she was born completely deaf, but we didn't know that at the time because it was 1995 when she was born, and there was no universal newborn hearing screening until, I think, 2001. Um, so for the first year of her life, we just all assumed, all right, cool, happy, healthy baby, and then um, she wasn't sitting up on time, didn't learn how to walk on time, wasn't trying to speak. Um, and my mom, um, there's going to be a lot about my mom in this episode. Of course. Um, she is absolutely nuts. And I mean that in the best way. Um, she's just, she doesn't really listen to anyone else. And so she will, she tells me the story a lot that she knew something was wrong. The way that I think a lot of mothers will talk about when they knew something wasn't quite Mm -hmm. right with their baby. Um, so they went to the doctor and found out that, yes, she does have a hearing loss, and it's not a mild one either. It was profound, which is the, like, deafest death that you can get on the chart. Um, and so my parents had to figure out what they were going to do because they had a 
small child who couldn't hear and they didn't know anything about anything and it was the late 90s and there was no google that's scary um (laughs) yeah yeah it was you know I, i don't remember a lot of it but listening to my parents talk and having conversations with my mom now that i'm in the field um it, yeah, it was really rough on both of them. Wow. Um, so my mom went to the library, because that's what you did in the 90s, and <laughs> yep. started looking up, you know, outcomes of of kids who were deaf, and they weren't good. They were really, really scary for, mm-hmm. you know, a 27-year-old mom with her infant, um, you know, and reading that the kid's going to have a third grade reading level because these books were... You know, by the time they get into the library, they were published in the 70s, which means the research was done in the 60s, and, you know, you can't, she just had no idea what to do. So, um, somehow, I don't know exactly how, she ended up uh, connecting with somebody um, who told her about, uh, you know, a hearing aid option and then a cochlear implant option, um, and we ended up going the route of my sister got a cochlear implant when she was 18 months old. Um so cochlear implants are a completely different topic. Do um, to go into cochlear implants? Go for it, yeah. All right. So when you have a hearing loss, um, you can have several different types, um, depending on which part of the, the ear is not working properly. Um, so there could be an issue with the outer ear, the middle ear, or the inner ear. Um, and for a specific type of hearing loss called sensory neural hearing loss, um, there is a piece of technology that can basically replace the little hair cells inside your cochlea, which is in your inner ear, that are supposed to detect the sound waves and they start the whole chain reaction of sending sound from your inner ear through your auditory nerve to your brain, which then interprets it and figures out what is the sound that I'm hearing. Um, so that was the issue with my sister. They found out that she didn't have those hair cells. They just Mm. never developed. Um, and for a little bit, we didn't know why it turns out there's a genetic component to it. Oh, wow. Um, yep. So I'm a carrier of that. Woohoo. Might have a deaf baby. Um, but it's cool because I, you know, I know how to. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so she got her cochlear, cochlear implant in her left ear when she was a baby, and then that was the beginning. Um, and then you have to learn how to hear with it because it's not uh, typical hearing; it's computerized, and it your brain has to learn how to understand language. Wow! And it's fascinating. Um, that was, you know, that's one of the things that I think is really cool about the field that I'm in is the technology involved in it and it's, it's come so far even from 20 years ago when all this happened um, they were doing I think a single electrode channel and I know this is probably going to go over a lot of people's heads but I really just I don't know how to explain it any simpler <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not like a manufacturer um, but like so they had, they had a single electrode channel, and now I think they're up to, like, 16 or 34. Wow. 32. 32. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing um, how far technology right, like, has yeah. come. I mean, it's like, you know, the iPhone 1 versus, like, the iPhone 11 now. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It was so cool and revolutionary, and now we're like, oh, that's cute. Look what we have. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, so, like, a lot of my childhood was really 
kind of revolving around this whole thing. And, um, you know, lots of therapy, lots of going to the audiologist, um, which is, you know, the, the ear doctor, I call mm-hmm. it with my kids. Um, and doing a lot of networking and meeting with other families and going to panels. And as I got older, being on panels. And it was very weird and cool. And it's just kind of like, it's a, it's a thing that I think has made our family really close. Um, and I love that. Like, it's a weird, cool bond that not a lot of people experience, you know, right. for better or worse. And I mean, I wouldn't be... Obviously, I wouldn't be in the field that I am doing what I do every day had I not had that experience. Right. So that's kind of what, like, inspired you to to want to help the oh, yeah. people going through the same thing. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and then when I actually, I, I rebelled against it for a long time. My mom always told me, she's like, oh, you're going to be such a good teacher. You're so good with your sister. You're so good with the other kids. And I was like, no. No, I don't want that. I want anything but that. And I think it was just me being like, she wants me to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, when I got to be like 16, 17 years old and I was like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? I was like, crap, I think I really do want to do this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everything just, you know, all signs were pointing there. I ended up getting into a really great school that was half an hour from my house that had a specific program for deaf education, which is like super rare. Um, and it was a five-year master's program. So I was like, okay, this is clearly the thing I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, and you did that, right? You have your master's. Yes. So you're mm-hmm. in and that, getting and, my PhD. Yeah, you're getting your PhD right now, right, at Columbia? Yes, yeah, I have class tonight. <laughs> oh, my gosh, wow. You're awesome, seriously. Um, so how is, what is the status of your sister now? How, when she was growing up, how how was the whole, you know, your family had to adjust to learning sign language and you know no, how does, we how did does not the, learn sign language oh you didn't no see this is an interesting interesting story here um so i know sign language yes because i took it for my degree gotcha but i didn't grow okay. up with sign language um there's there's a kind of a controversy about this whole thing um and at the time it was it was very uh you either did sign language or you did assistive technology. And there are, there are obviously people that will always do both and whatever. But there were experts on either side saying, okay, if you want this outcome, you can't use sign language with the, with the, the child. So huh. we didn't do that. Um, it's not a really a thing right now that is acceptable to say as a professional. Um, obviously, everybody has to respect the parent's choice. And if they want their child to use listening and spoken language and not sign, then that's their prerogative. Right. And that's cool. But myself as a professional, I can't walk up and say, well, you can't do X, Y, and Z. Right. I can say, if this is the outcome you want, here's my recommendation. Take it or leave it. Mm. Um, So we didn't learn sign language and it worked out really well for my sister. It didn't work out so well for some other people. Our story is a happy story. Um, so she's totally uh, auditory now. Um, and there's kind of a, a, another caveat to this whole story that is important. So I guess I'll tell you now. That genetic component that I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, it's a condition called Usher syndrome. Um, and there's three different types, but it's a hearing loss combined with a vision loss. Oh. So they found out she was officially diagnosed at 
six, we did all the genetic testing, but my mom told me she knew at four um, that she had progressive vision loss. So as an adult now, my sister is deaf and legally blind. Wow. Um, so relying on sign language would not have been a good choice for her. And that was pretty much like the thing that went, okay, we're really going down this road whole hog. Wow. We don't want to introduce a language that she's not going to be able to utilize as an adult. Yes. Um, so she has her cochlear implants. She ended up getting another one on her other ear later on. Um, so she has two ears that work and eyes that don't work so great. Aw. Uh, but she has a seeing eye dog who is my favorite dog. Aw. That's awesome. I love her so much. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, she's awesome. My sister is so smart. Yeah. So, like, like my mother in the way that she's crazy and doesn't listen <laughs> to anyone when they tell her she can't do these things. You're stubborn, um, you mean? Yeah, very stubborn, <laughs> but also just, like, has an amazing work ethic. It's, like, very book smart in a way that has been very advantageous to her in her life. Yeah. Um, she's currently starting this year at Rutgers for her PhD in biomedical engineering. Whoa. Yeah. Smart. There you go. <laughs> she's smart. <laughs> wow. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's living in New Brunswick with her boyfriend, you know, like in their own apartment. This is their first apartment. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's so crazy to me Aww. that like, first of all, that we're all old enough to be having our own apartment. I know. And second of all, that you know, she's my baby sister. There's only two of us, and I'm the older one, so I'm yeah. very protective of her for a lot of reasons. Um, she sounds very, um, like, very, like, determined, headstrong, very, like, oh, yeah. yeah, good for her. You'll meet her at the Halloween party. She's coming, and, and so That's is awesome. her boyfriend, and maybe the dog. We'll see. Because <laughs> I always, I, I assumed that, because I always knew, like, a little bit about you know, how your sister, you know, was deaf, and then also how you knew sign language. So I just kind of put them together, which I guess wasn't, like, I guess I didn't think about that. But, like, well, I just always thought sense, that... Right? I always thought that that's how you knew sign language. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty cool that you took it upon yourself to learn. Yeah, I ended up taking it, um, actually, at night school at community college my senior year of high school. Um once I had decided what I was going to do and I got into TCNJ and I, you know, I found out early decision in December. So the, for the spring semester of high school, I was taking sign language to try to get a jump start. Wow. Yeah. I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> oh my God. I'm grown up at some point. I'm not. Don't let all this fool you. <laughs> so then, um, when you were in college, what were some, what were some experiences that you were able to have that also kind of, I guess, um, went hand in hand with your career. So like, did you, did did you get to do any like side tutoring or did you visit any specific schools? Well, this is actually funny because I, I, I know what you're trying to get at, but I'm going to take it a completely different way. Um, (laughs) so I mentioned that the case for the students that I'm working with has additional disabilities. So most of them are either, um, autistic, have Down syndrome, um, or have, you know, a, a intellectual disability. Um, so when I was in college, I got um, a scholarship through the Bonner Foundation at TCNJ, which is uh, an organization where the fellows do 300 hours of community service um, per year, and we're organized into different teams, and we work together to do different community-based projects, and then in return we get 
part of our uh, uh, tuition paid for mm-hmm. by the foundation. So I went into this kind of thinking, awesome, like scholarship, I can do community service. Um, and I found out that they had a team that was working with a nonprofit um, in the next town over that was a group home for adults with developmental disabilities. Oh. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, I have some experience with this. It sounds like, you know, it'll go, it'll fit nicely into, like, what I want to do with my life. Um, and I just fell in love with the residents at this group home. Um, and I'm going to name drop the place because I love it. It's a visitation home, and it's in Yardville, New Jersey. And the people who run it are absolutely wonderful humans. And I had the best four years of my life working with their staff and hanging out with their residents and watching them, like, their program grew from one house um, where they had five residents and they got a second house and then they had ten. And, I mean, they just keep expanding and giving so much of their lives um, in, in ways that, like, I get so emotional about. Wow. Um, yeah. So... If you scroll back on my Facebook far enough, you'll see there's lots of selfies of me hanging out with, like, with the residents there. Aww. And I love it. I love it so much. I should go back and visit. I've been gone for so long. Like, like I had close relationships with a lot of people there. Um, and it was very formative for me. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I mean, I come from, a, like, a small town. A hundred kids graduated from my high school. It was very white. There was no diversity. Um, you know, and I ended up going to school and basically in Trenton. The college is in Ewing. It's right near Trenton. And this, this group home was next town over from there. Um, and just meeting a lot of different people and getting to see a lot of different, like, ways of life and, you know, getting out of that bubble. I think a lot of people kind of see college as a bubble. And for me, it was getting out of a bubble. Wow. No, that's, yeah, especially you went to a different, you know, you moved to a different state for college. And, you know, it's yeah. it's different. Yeah. See, I always stayed, I stayed in the state. I've never lived anywhere other than New Jersey um, for, you know, but, you know, like for college, like I stayed here and, but I, I studied abroad in Japan, which was, which was really awesome. And I got to teach there and yeah, it was really cool. It was not for a very, very long time. I was there for like two weeks, but still like I was, you know, I was in like five different schools doing things and yeah, so, but it's, like, you need that, I mean, obviously, like, going from Pennsylvania to New Jersey is not as big of a culture shock as going from America no. to, to Asia, but... <laughs> right, but, I've never been out of the country. But, I mean, still, there's always going to be a little bit of a culture shock, because it's different. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I mean, I made the best friends of my life there. I yeah. met my husband there. Um, you know, one of my bridesmaids in my wedding, I met, like, the first day... We actually were were in the same major, and it's funny because I was from Pennsylvania, and she was from Connecticut, and so we were out-of-state students, which was like, oh my god, there's an out-of-state student here? What? Uh, Um, And our moms, like, were like, oh my god, that girl's in death ed, that girl's in death ed, you have to go talk to her, and they, like, they, like, set us up uh, on, like, a play date, like, she was the bridesmaid in my wedding, so, (laughs) really cute. so cute. (laughs) Are you still close, are you still close with her? Oh yeah, uh-huh. she's, I think she's hopefully going to come to the party. Oh, too. Um, that's awesome. yeah, so she works. Uh, she works at the American School for the Deaf in Connecticut, which is pretty cool. So, wow, like, we bond over that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, what was I going to say? Yes. So going back to your, your current job. So when you, when you meet with a student, you know, one-on-one, what does, what does your, your day typically look like when you're meeting with them? All right. So you want to, you want to go through my whole day? Well, I mean, like, what is a session, (laughs) a a session with a student? Like, what do you do with them? And you know, what's it broken up into? Yeah, so I mean, everybody's very different. Um, I'm going to talk mostly about my kids that are this plus. Okay. Because they're the most interesting ones. And they're the ones I see (laughs) most frequently um, because they have other things going on that make them need more intensive assistance. What's funny, though, is that what's interesting is that when I have students that have you know, um, accommodations such as IEPs, other classifications, uh-huh. I find them the most fun to work with and the most, yes. the most rewarding to work with. It's, it's interesting. The most enjoyable, definitely. Not that I don't yeah. love my kids that, you know, <laughs> don't need any classifications. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think there's, it's like, it's, there's something different and it's like, not it's just not comparable it's just a completely different experience right and like you can't really put it into words um but the kinds of things that i do with with the kids are um all of them use some combination of listening and speaking and maybe an assistive communication device if they're nonverbal. um some of them are learning sign language because they're nonverbal. Some of them, I have one student who has autism and a single-sided hearing loss, so she has one perfectly working ear and one ear that's completely profoundly deaf, um, but she lives with her culturally deaf grandmother, so the language at home is sign language. Oh, so she wow. knows sign language, um, but she's also <laughs> learning you know, English at school, um, there's Spanish being spoken around her as well. So, like, there's just a lot of languages going on with a lot of these kids. Um, so I do a lot of um, auditory training, um, which is things like playing games to help expand their um, listening memory. Oh. So, you know, I'll say, I'll put out nine pictures and say four things that I want them to give to me, and they have to wait until I'm done saying all four of them and then see if they can remember them. Oh, very cool. Um, you know, so, like, memory training exercises, um, a lot of things that I'll do are, honestly, equipment monitoring. That's, like, a huge part of my, my job because um, the the assistive technology a lot of times is bought by the school district. And so, like, it stays at school, but the classroom teachers are, like, they're not trained for it. And it's not their fault, but they're just not, they're not told how to handle the equipment or what to do with it if there's an issue. So I'm kind of like the point person that they go to and say, okay, it's not working. I don't know what to do with it. And a lot of times I'm like, did you charge it? <laughs> no, I did not. Well, there's step one. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and it's 100% just that, like, they just don't know. Like, there's yeah. not enough training for things like this because it's a very, it's a well-incident disability. Yeah. It's interesting that you said, you know, like the kind of games that you do. This summer I worked, you know, I did summer school. Um, I worked I worked with kids that have speech delays. Um, they were very young. It was preschool. So they were three years old. Um, but the school is a primary school. So it's from um, preschool to second grade, I believe. And then um, the next school will be, you know, 
three to fifth grade or whatever. But, but I did over the summer, I did like all kinds of activities like that where I would put pictures out and I would tell them, you know, find the shark or something and I have to find it. And then I would make them, you know, repeat like a sentence to me or so we did, we did a lot of games like that too. So it's, it's interesting how, you know, how there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, exactly. Skill sets kind of being come at from different angles. Like I do a lot of um, similar things that like a speech therapist would do. Um, And for some kids, like uh, if their if their challenges are on, you know, more expressive language versus like you know they're they're hearing and they're getting information in, but they're having trouble making their needs met. are having their needs met because they can't express themselves the way that they want to, you know, ah. work on, okay, what's the best yeah. way for you to express yourself? Is it, you know, is it through trying to verbalize? Is it through trying to sign? Is it through some kind of, you know, using an iPad with a communication software on it? Yeah. You know, is it like, I have one student where his goals are just that he initiate some kind of communication with the adults or classmates in the room because he's not doing that. Mm. he's kind of just letting things go by and like he'll respond in some way if you approach him um and so he sometimes will avoid me in the hallway because you know he'll try to make him talk Aww. <laughs> he's like nope not today <laughs> so do these kids do these kids it's like a normal school where kids you know go to different classes where they go to different teachers is that yeah so oh, i forgot to tell you it's, it's a secondary school it's a 7th through 12th grade building okay um yeah, so these, these kids are switching out, they're doing all their subjects, they're, you know, they're moving in between um, classrooms, but the entire school, um, all right, back up, I work in four different buildings. Wow. But the majority of my kids are in this building that I'm talking about. Um, so I have one kid that's at one school, and two kids that are at another school, and then I have another kid that's, like, at a different school, but eight of my 12 kids are in the same building, um, and those are my deaf plus kids. Gotcha. Um, so they're the, they're the majority of my case, but they're 20 of my 25 sessions per week. Um, so yeah, they're all between the ages of 13 and 21 because you can do special education until you're 21. Um, and they have the entire building is students, um, with disabilities. So there's, oh, it runs the gamut from, you know, kids who are, you know, have, like, a mild, uh, like, a learning disability classification to, you know, this kid has a, a paragraph long of diagnoses, and I have, I have one of those students on my caseload, and he is, oh, is he uh, a trip? We all have, we all have one. There's one, yeah. there's one every year. Yep. So, <laughs> most of them, I mean, I, I had the same caseload last year, so most of the kids I, you know, am familiar with, and know how to work with and we can kind of pick up where we left off and there's always a, like a wild card when they throw you a new kid but you know that as yeah a yeah fun. absolutely <laughs> um, um so I, where we were going with this. I forgot to ask though what grade levels do, so do you work with all from 7 to 12 grades is that is so, that or are they all mixed in with those grades or deaf education is weird because if you are classified as a support service provider, you can teach anything mm. because you are not the one giving them the grades. Right. So I, 
my youngest kid right now is seven. Wow. And my oldest is 19, and I had two that graduated last year at 21. Okay. Huh? That make, that, that's normal, though. We have that, too. Yep, so I can, I can teach any age um, as long as I'm not the primary classroom teacher. Right, um, and I know in New Jersey it's a little bit different. Like I have, I have the certification in New Jersey and also in New York. So like, there's some overlap, but it's it's actually it's a lot more strict in New Jersey. Um, the things that you can do and can't do. Wow, um, really? Like I could teach a a K through sixth grade, um, general ed classroom with the license that I have, or I could do K through sixth grade uh, deaf ed classroom. Um, where I'm the primary teacher, or I can do K to 12 support service. Wow. Yep. Oh, and I can teach high school psychology too because I have a bachelor's in psychology. Oh my gosh! Look at you. <laughs> I have like the most random assortment of degrees. <laughs> I took psychology. It was not for me. <laughs> it's funny I, because well, I loved it. Everybody, everybody I know is like, "Oh, I love psychology. I love to know like why people think the way they do." It That's never, exactly it why I never. Love it. <laughs> It's funny because it never interested me. And I think it's aw- – no, I do think it's definitely an interesting topic. You know, if for people who are really into that, I'm like, that is awesome. Like, it, it does seem interesting. But I personally never was able to get into it. It was never – you probably had a bad teacher. Maybe. I've taken three different ones. So I've had three different – well, one, one professor that I had, I loved her. She was awesome. But I just didn't love the content. Like, everybody else was, like, eating it up. I just, mm-hmm. like, so many people, especially in our generation, are really into, like, the minds of serial killers and stuff. Right. See, that doesn't do anything for me. It's so oh, interesting. I love it. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm more into, I'm more into, like, structure. Like, that's why I, like, I'm, I obviously have my bachelor's in literature. So, like, I'm very into, like, you know, like, I don't even, I don't think very, like, openly when it comes to, like, psychology, it's very, like, open, like, oh, like, it could be this or it could be this. With, like, yeah, with, like, that is frustrating. You don't, like, get a concrete answer. With with analyzing with analyzing a text or, like, a poem or something, there's always, it's either black or white, and I kind of like that. That's so funny that you say that, because my husband is a math teacher, and he's very, like, logically minded. Oh, yeah. Um. And we're different, very different in that way. But he always says that he's like he's math because there's one right answer, and I'm like English because you can interpret it any way you want. True. So it's really funny yes. See, you say that like well, I at least like I guess because at least in your example, like you have evidence and you have like yeah. something that you can point at and be like, look, it's right here in black and white in the text. Versus like you know you have like behaviors and things that you can point out for psychology, right. but like you can't ever really know what someone else is thinking. Exactly. I mean, when you're analyzing, you know, like a text or something, there's, you know, it's always going to be open to interpretation. There's going to be, you know, figurative language, though, that right. can give you can give you hints. And and I'm a very open minded person, like incredibly open minded. You know, I don't you know, I don't judge people for who they are, or what they like or this or that. I just personally I just personally like I'm very open minded, but I do like some structure when it comes to when I'm, you know, working with something, like trying to understand something. I like, uh-huh. I like points of evidence and, you know, so, I mean, I always, I always thought, like I said, I always thought psychology was interesting. I just never, I wouldn't, 
I don't think it was for me. Which okay. it's not it's not yeah. it's not for everybody because honestly, there are so many people that I went to college with that studied psychology. They were like that was the I think like the number one thing that people studied. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh boy, like it's good that I didn't do that because <laughs> otherwise I, you know, would have had a harder time with like a million people. As somebody who has a degree in psychology, you definitely need graduate work. Yeah. In psychology. So if you don't love it, don't do it. No, but I give people so much credit, like, who, who, you know, go into that field because they are, I always, everybody that I ever met that loved psychology is so passionate about it, which obviously you should be passionate about anything that you go into. But I mean, we need people to, to be in that field that, you know, can do it. And, like, I wouldn't, if I was in that field, I wouldn't be able to do it. So, I give, like, also with the medical field, I couldn't do that. But I give, right, like, I give the skill set I don't have, and I appreciate that yes, you have it. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get out of all this long spiel, is that gotcha. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate the work of it so much. I just, it's not for me, but I appreciate it. Right, and, like, we need to have people with different skill sets out in the world, and, like, that's how society functions. If everybody yes. was a tailor, we'd have lots of clothes and no food. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which is not good. So I really find it interesting. That's why I love hearing, like, stories and stuff, you know, about, like, all the different things that you can do with psychology. It really is interesting. It's also really related, like, to, to education, and that's kind of, that's why I did it. Like, I knew yeah. I wanted to be, um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I had to pick um, a content major. Yes. Um, oh, my yes. program, and I didn't want you know I didn't want to pick like I didn't want to pick math or science. Um, I almost did history, um, but I ended up going psychology, and I'm really glad that I did because it I think gave me a really good window into like developmental stages and like why kids do things that they right, do. Like you right. know, like I I know that like okay, a 12 year old who's being mouthy. It's annoying, but they're not, it's not the same thing as a 25-year-old being mouthy. Adolescent. They are thinking the same way because they just don't have the capacity yet. It's not their fault, Mm -hmm. you know? And it it just helps you to, like, understand explanations, not excuses. Right. I took, um, (laughs) I took educational psych. I took adolescent psych. Right. So. Yeah, all you have, you have to take them all to be. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I know all about that kind of stuff. And I think that's the kind of stuff, though, that. I don't know. That's the kind of stuff that I knew about, but it also kind of bored me in a way. Where I was like, you know, I don't know. I can't really explain it. That's all right. Like, I, I, took a, I took a psych class at my first college before I transferred. And that one was more about, like, experiments that, you know, people had done in the past to, to tamper with the mind to see what humans would do to react. Like an intro that yeah, that was really okay, in- yeah. Okay. That was interesting. And then when yeah. I and then when I switched over to the educational psych and then the adolescent psych, that's when it started getting more like more what's the word? I feel like when it's more clinical, it's kind of like drier. Yes. Versus like, oh, this yes. is fascinating and like yes. in the sixties they did this and we can't do that because ethics right. like but, oh, my God. Yes. It's more, it's drier. That's what it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I, I use, I use, like, you know, I always, I use the stuff every day. John Piaget and, you know, Freud. And oh, my God. I, yep. 
and Bloom's taxonomy. I use all that stuff. But I feel like psychology and then educational psych are completely different things yeah. sometimes. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you get my point. I do. Well, if you're a teacher and you're listening, you understand. That's the music, sorry. Um, I got nothing. And um, what else was I going to ask you? So, what are your what are your plans for the future? Do you want to stay in this field, you know, for as long as possible? Um, do you have any other, you know, goals that you want to achieve when it comes to this, you know, this field that you're in? So, I'm still relatively new. This is my fourth year um, teaching, and my third year, holy crap, it's my third year, getting my PhD, wow, <laughs> um, I also just got married, and I'm planning on having children at some point, so I know there's going to be some downtime in the middle there, Right. Um, but, you know, the reason that I, I want to get my PhD is because I, I do want to end up being some kind of a leader in this field, and I'm not really 100% sure what direction I want to take it in yet, um, but getting... Sorry, Justin is very distracting. Let me time out for one second. I don't have any cash. What do you need? Oh, Justin. Sorry, we're having, no, we're you're having good. a laundry issue. I don't have any cash. Justin is Leanne's husband, who also was in company with us. I don't know what you want me to do about it right now. I can't help you. I don't have any money. Justin is a math teacher, so he is very. The laundry machine ate his clothing. He is a very smart cookie. He can figure it out. <laughs> All right, what was I saying? About being in the field um, for you know the rest of your life and. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the reason I want to get my PhD. <laughs> that's it. Because yeah, obviously this is like this. This is what I want to do with my life. This is very personal to me. This this field. Um. And there's a lot of different avenues that you can kind of go down with it. Like, you can specialize in, you can specialize in sign language. You can specialize in total communication. You can specialize in specifically cochlear implants. You can specialize in single-sided deafness. I mean, it's just, there's ridiculous amounts of things that, you know, if you're a person who's in the field, you're like, oh, my God, that's so fascinating. And if you're a person who's on the street, you're like, what in the heck are you talking about? But I am so fascinated by it. Yeah. Um, it's you know, so I mean, obviously, from my from my personal and family experience, I, I have a slant, um, and it's it's the thing that is interesting to me. Um, mostly, are you know the use of cochlear implants and spoken language outcomes for kids, um, and also like kids that are born today, and how the technology is going to change. You know, by the time they're in high school, um, you know, I I worked with a student. Um, oh, here's a good story. So this is this is kind of a thing that I'm also really interested in. I worked with a student my first year teaching who um, was born completely hearing and had a t- totally typical, you know, adolescence and all. And then mm-hmm. at the age of, I think it was, I don't know, 10, 11, she fell and hit her head and woke up the next morning and was completely deaf. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there's a reason behind it. It wasn't just like a freak thing. Um, she had this thing called enlarged vestibular aqueducts, which is a thing that's in your ear. And if you have ones that are abnormally large, 
uh, head trauma can cause sudden hearing loss. But she had an abnormal presentation because normally you would have found out about them by the time you were 10. Mm. Um, so you would be aware of avoiding head trauma. Wow. Um, she did not know, and her parents didn't know, and now they do. And so she had to go from being a totally typically hearing kid um, for four months. She had nothing. You know, they were trying to figure out what had happened to her and what to do about it. And, you know, at, at 10, 11 years old, that's, that's terrifying. That's um, so scary. You know, and so when I started working with her in September, this had all happened the previous May. So she had missed the end of school, spent the whole summer trying to figure out how to live her life now, had gotten a hearing aid in, in one of her ears, you know, didn't, didn't know what to do with it, didn't know how to use it, um, and was getting a cochlear implant in the other ear in September. So I started working with her in September, and then two weeks later she went and had the surgery, got the cochlear implant, and then we had to wait. Um, you know, you don't, you don't automatically get hearing back after your surgery. Um, no. There's there's a an external piece that you wear that you know looks similar to a hearing aid. It's a little bit bigger and it looks a little bit different. But if you you've seen hearing aids on people, um, so you know you had to get that part set up and then had to get it programmed. And so like I, I went through this process with her and her family, and it was so bizarre to me because it was the process that my family had gone through when I was a baby. Oh, and you know I I sat down at the first meeting ever with these parents, like, literally my first week teaching, my boss called me and she's like, you have this new kid on your caseload, this is when I was working in New Jersey, mm -hmm. and you have to go sit down and have a meeting with, with them and the case manager at the school because they don't know, like, they're just, they're panicking. Oh. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, of course they're panicking, like, God, I would be panicking and I know what's going on, like, you know, so like yeah. I, I, it was, it was so just a strange like turn of events that I got to be the, the first person that these people connected with, like in the educational sphere, and that told them like, I know that your daughter's going to be okay. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, and she is. She's amazing. She's totally fine. You know, like she hears really honestly. I think she hears really well with her equipment. She's a great kid. I, I miss her. Aww. I miss her so much. Um, I think she's in like eighth grade now, ninth grade. Oh my god, Aww. they're so old. Um, but I know that getting back to the the question that you asked, the thing that you know that I want to do with this, you know, long term, there was a lot of social emotional issues that she had to deal with in that in that transitional period and then after, you know, being the kid who everyone knew and all of a sudden she's not exactly the same and she's struggling a lot and she's, yeah. you know, we were trying to keep her on target and not lose ground, which is a completely different challenge than, you know, a kid who, who as a baby has no hearing and you're, you, you know, you get the equipment and then you're trying to make up ground. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was something that I hadn't considered uh, much, you know, up until that point, because my experience has always been with little kids and with people who had always been deaf. Yeah, or right, right. Hearing. Um, Justin's back. What does he need? It's an amazing okay. story, honestly. I've never had to experience anything, I mean, like that. I never had anybody in my family who was 
had a history of being deaf or hearing loss. Well, mine so either until my sister popped up. It's really interesting to uh, mm-hmm. to hear about. I mean, my grandmother, as she got older, she needed a hearing aid, but that was only because, you know, she just got yeah. hard got hard of hearing as she, you know, aged. Yeah, and that's so typical, um, and that's actually, I can, t- I can tell you why that happens. <laughs> Usually it's noise-induced, and over time, you basically you can wear out the hairstyles in your cochlea. It's um, scary because I feel like our generation is going to have a lot of, a lot yeah. of that um, with, yeah. like ear you know earphones and and also i'm a musician so it really scares me because oh my god please wear earplugs on stage i'm like not even kidding um so my bassist does um i've noticed like some of my you know my band members do but i don't feel like i can because i need to hear everything being the singer i don't know i need to hear myself you need to find something that can that can play it like you know they have those things that'll that'll play it right into your ears i need to figure out you need to invest in some of those because, I mean, if you're up there playing with a drum set yep. and live music, I mean, my dad plays drums. Um, I don't know if I, I, I took a... <laughs> All right. Backstory. My dad plays drums and I'm a teacher of the deaf. So I have an app on my phone that um, is a, a sound level meter so that I can, you know, figure out what are the acoustics in the classroom and like, because it's usually louder than you think it is. Um, yeah. And a standard person speaking at a conversational distance, um, you know, you're going to be between, like, 40 to 50 decibels. But a classroom teacher at the front of the room, their voice could be between 50 and 60 decibels, you know, which sounds great. It's louder. But all the background noise in the classroom, you know, with, with nobody actually speaking, all the noise in the classroom with the air conditioner and all the kids moving around and stuff, it could be easily 50 to 60 decibels. Wow. So I have the, yeah. I have issues with <laughs> No, it's true. We need to... <laughs> Don't you worry. Uh, so I have this sound level meter app on my phone. It's free. You should yeah. get one. Huh. Um, and it tells me, you know, the the user, or the average um, user feel of the room. So when I went home to visit my dad the last time, he was like, oh, come listen to this new song I learned. I was like, cool. And so I got downstairs and he's got his drums set up in the basement and he's got like an amp and it's loud. And I was just <laughs> curious. And I took out my sound level meter, and it gives me a little, like, um, it gives me a number reading, and then it also gives me, like, how does it, like, a user feel? How does, you know, is it is it quiet? Is it average? Is it sort of loud? Is it very loud? Yeah. And then um, when I was down in the basement, I had never seen it get above very loud. I went down there, and I turned it on, and it said, hazardous. Oh, my God. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> Hazardous. I'm like, you need to get earplugs. That's scary. I was like, I was down there for five minutes. I'm like, he's been stuck here for like an hour a day. Because like, this is his like chill time. Cool. Please wear earplugs. You, Bethany, on stage. Please wear earplugs. (laughs) I know, that's scary. We need to take care of our ears. It's true. Yeah. There, I'll get off my soapbox now. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, I'm interested in this app, so I'm gonna. I'm yeah, gonna, that's, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Well, I guess we got to wrap it up now. But thank Crap. you. This was definitely one of my favorite episodes so far. This was really uh, informative and entertaining. And honestly, I think it's a really cool subject. 
It's really cool. Um, it's, you know, not really something that you hear about all the time. And it's funny because I, I did, when I was in college, um, in the beginning, when I started, I got to go to a school for the deaf. Um, and, you know, I... Wait, which one? Uh, it's in, I believe it's in Ocean Township in New Jersey. No, I'm no. not sure the name of it. Um, I'm going to look, I'm going to see if I can look, yeah, it up. look it up. But, um, yeah, I got to go and it was like a regular classroom where there was a, um, you know, a, a teacher who was hearing, who also was doing sign. And then there were, you know, students in there that all were signing together. It was really interesting. It was like a regular yeah. standard classroom. Just yeah. instead of speaking, they were using sign. It was cool. Yeah. And, um, but that was the only time I had ever really been around it or heard about it. And then when we started doing company, you know, you were talking about it. And then one of our castmates, her, her, um, her dad is deaf and I think her brother and sister are deaf. So yeah, we were all like chatting about it a little bit and I was just listening you in and her on because that would be such a cool like corollary. I want to different experiences like it would I, be so cool to hear that how like yeah how I want to I own. have to like I feel like I have to book her because she's like early because she's very very busy right now with the show she that she's very in. busy right now yeah so but no I 100% have her like on my you know list I want her to be on here um, all right cool let me but, know when that episode <laughs> I will but yeah so it's it's just really it's fascinating. So I thank you for being on. I thank you again for having me. Yeah, of course. Um thank you everybody for listening and I hope you have a great day. <laughs>